Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. All right. Welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 24th. Uh, my name is Jake Luke, and I am joined by uh, two of my very good friends, uh, Spencer Schultz and Vasily Larikos. We are in here tonight uh, bringing you guys a little bit of a throwback version uh, of the podcast, throwing it back to the summer days when we were doing this uh, all three together. Uh, for a very special reason tonight, we want to uh, go ahead and bring you guys a uh, mock draft. Spencer, how's it going, bud? Doing good. I smell like shit. Vaz apparently also not smelling so hot, but looks good. Uh, so we're chilling, we're quarantined, self-isolating, self-deprecating, defecating, all the good stuff. What's going on, boss? Appreciate you guys inviting me. Always, always nice to uh, be joined by you two and nice welcome distraction during this tough time. Yeah, for sure. It's a, a weird time, especially for a uh, family man such as yourself. You know, I mean, you, you've got a lot going on right now, so we appreciate you uh Jumping in here for the mock draft situation to bring your uh, expertise. It's always welcome. Uh, so we appreciate that. Uh, before we jump into the mock draft proper, it's probably going to take a little while. So we kind of want to get right to it. But uh, today I uh, had a little bit of news come across the wire in that the Ravens have made uh, a couple of re-signings. You got uh, cornerback Jimmy Smith coming back at a one-year uh, $6 million figure. I didn't see all the guarantees out there yet. Uh, and then a similar deal, not as expensive for uh, defensive back Anthony Levine. Voss, what's your, uh, your quick take on these two guys coming back? Very excited to have Jamie back in the fold. We touched on it when you and I recorded last, Jake. Fourth corner is very important for this system. He provides great depth. And it looks like the the guarantee or the contract is incentive-laden. Two and a half, I believe, or three and a half million guaranteed. The rest he can earn back with incentives. So really, really good deal all the way around. And Jimmy's still playing at a very high level. So I think that was a great move. I'm going to lay down an if-then. If... Jimmy Smith plays 16 games, suspension-free, injury-free, then the Baltimore Ravens will win the AFC. I think that is a piece that is so integral, like Vaz said, having the fourth corner 
And having Jimmy Smith, who's a guy that Baltimore fans and pundits have always said, you know, oh, maybe he can kind of take some snaps at safety. He's a bigger guy. He has that blue chip uh, athleticism and caliber he's always had. And having him be able to maybe fill that Brandon Carr role where we saw last summer, uh, Brandon Carr was taking a lot of snaps in single high where Earl Thomas is coming down in the box or too high in cover two and things like that. And having a guy that can do that and then provide that boundary corner depth is awesome. I think that it's huge, 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 huge for the system. Uh, having a press corner that can maybe go play some safety and have experience and uh, the athleticism and all that good stuff that Jimmy Smith has. And it just makes me comfortable having those guys back, uh, a couple guys that want to ring here in Baltimore and keeping them in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love it from pretty much every perspective that you mentioned there. Uh, health is obviously really the only concern, but I feel like he's going to be able to, uh, you know, bring pretty much what he brought last year at the very least, which was very good. And it helped uh, them round their defense into form in the second half of the season. Um, and yeah, it just from an experience perspective, I think it really helps them. You've got a couple of young corners uh, that have you know, an incredibly fiery sort of temperament to them. I think Smith could maybe bring something a little bit different to that. Uh, and he is a guy who, like you mentioned, has won a ring with them before. And that's what they're trying to do this year. They're trying to go win a ring. Uh, and they don't win one without him uh, back in 2013 with that uh, goal line stand that he helped uh, against Crabtree on. So great to keep one of your own in the fold for sure. And uh, I do like uh, the good Dr. King Schultz dropping his nuts on the table with the uh, AFC prediction right there with a depth cornerback being brought back. I think he just gives you a, you know, you have four guys that can go play man coverage against the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to have that. You can't go pussyfooting around when there are teams that are trotting out these spread offenses nowadays and how much the Ravens play nickel and dime and quarter defense and being able to go straight up play man and rush four, rush five, give a little deception and then. Uh, I mean, even go cover zero and do those kinds of things. That's the Ravens identity. And if they're able to rock and roll with Tavon Young staying healthy and Jimmy Smith staying healthy, they can cover any team in this league. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Voss, I wanted to get your take on uh, Levine coming back. I really like it personally. Uh, I've, he's just a guy who I've always kind of identified with as uh, one of the underdogs of the defense, the unsung heroes. It's just kind of always in the picture. You know, he's the Ravens' Matthew Slater, the guy on special teams who's uh, going to be the first down there on punt coverage. He's kind of lining the guys up. Uh, and he does some uh, good stuff for them on defense as well as a dime linebacker or uh, an extra safety that they can throw in there. What's your, your thoughts on them bringing him back? Yeah, I'm happy to see them bring Levine back. He's been a really underrated player throughout his time in Baltimore. He's getting a little bit up there in age, but as you said, they run a lot of dime, a lot of quarter, um, so he definitely has a role. And just back to Jimmy real quick, Spencer, as he said, uh, matching up with the Chiefs, and if they are going to win the AFC, that's the team to beat, right? And I think Jimmy gives you potentially a really nice matchup on Travis Kelsey. Uh, he can man him up, and not a lot of corners can, but he does have that length, and they can rotate through and keep uh, keep him fresh against all those burners. So I think um, both of these additions were great. The Costa continues his wiz- wizardry. Yeah, man, I'm never huge on the idea of like, all right, one player is going to put us over the top. One player is going to help us beat this one team that we see as in our way. Uh, you would see other teams, um, you know, kind of do that or, you know, try to do that uh, in regards to New England over the past uh, two decades. Um, shout out to Tom Brady leaving there, by the way. I don't know if we've even really uh, fully covered that. Uh, we sort of have, but yeah, pretty wild situation going on up there. But for right now, it looks like uh, Kansas City and Baltimore, two of the powerhouses of the AFC. So uh, Ravens staying pretty strong on defense, bringing two of their guys back. But um, other than that, man, I think we're pretty quiet on the news front. We've done a good job covering it as it's been coming out over the past couple of weeks. But uh, without further ado, I think we should just kind of jump into the uh, the topic of the hour, which is our third offseason mock draft. What do you boys say? 
I'm down for it. Let's go. Cool. So uh, we're going to go ahead and do it a little bit differently this time. Uh, so we're doing obviously three people. Voss is going to start with the first pick. I will be going second. Spencer will be going third. No snake draft or any, you know, Mickey Mouse shit like that. We're just going to keep it real here. So we're going to go Voss uh, up first on the clock with the Cincinnati Bengals. Who are you picking there, bud? Uh, as much as I enjoy being a contrarian, I have to go with Joe Burrow with the first pick. I think it's a no-brainer. He's polished. He's accurate. Doesn't have the biggest arm, but he's a smart, cerebral quarterback. And I think the uh, the Bengals are have a, a decent squad around him. We don't want to sleep on the Bengals now. They have a, some nice offensive pieces. And the defense, a little. they have some talent. If they can get that offensive line together and Burrow can have a good season, uh, they can make some improvements. Spencer, your thoughts? Uh, exactly like Vaz said, and it's one of those – instances where maybe Joe Burrow doesn't have the greatest arm strength in the world. And as a comparison I made earlier today, it's kind of like a linebacker that's not quite as athletic. And that means that they don't get to rely on their saving traits of their athleticism. They have to be technically sound. They have to be smart. They have to make good decisions. And that's the way that they win. And with a quarterback, I mean, we were just talking about Tom Brady, and that's been a comparison that's floated around as, as Burrow plays like Brady. He's got that edge, doesn't have you know the 60-mile-per-hour velocity, but makes the smart throws, can anticipate and fit balls into windows because he's smart. He understands coverage. And then the cherry on top is that athleticism. He is a good point guard, was a missed, like, Mr. Ohio or whatever the hell he was, all state basketball player. And it shows up, change of direction, able to make guys miss in the backfield. And um, as Vaz said, that Bengals offensive line, they do get Jonah Williams back, their first round pick from last year. But uh, there's quarterbacks that would be worse off having to kind of scramble and run around than Burrow, who likes to do so. So as Mr. Larico said, don't sleep on the Bengals. I think he can come in, do some things, and they have playmakers. Joe Mixon, for my money, is just as good as any other running back in the NFL. A.J. Green, pretty much just as good when he's healthy as any other receiver in the NFL, and give him an average offensive line, they can win eight games. So don't sleep on the Bengals. Yeah, I like the Brady comparison for Burrow. Some people aren't fully comfortable with it, which I totally understand as well, because it's just there's a ton of things with Brady that you can't predict. It's just style. It's just style. Sure, sure, sure. He's going to go win eight eight Super Bowls. Yeah, but like that's the thing is when you say Tom Brady, you're kind of like you're of course, you're not insinuating that. But maybe some people are going to take it that way. For me, it's kind of like a souped up Matt Ryan. Um, very smooth kind of, you know, processes the field very well, but, uh, more athletic than Ryan. Like you said, he likes to move around. He'll run for first downs unexpectedly, even like in third and long situations, which is a ton of fun to watch. So, uh, really Led like all of college football and runs that went for first downs or touchdowns by 15 runs. Yeah. It's just clutch, wow. clutch runs out of nowhere that just completely surprise you. And that's not to throw out the sneaky athletic thing because he is just straight up athletic, uh, no matter what you think of him. Um, so yeah, Joe Burrow. Uh, he's been the pick since we started this thing. He's probably going to be the pick all the way through to the end, no matter what the draft looks like or when it is held. I think he's going to be a Cincinnati Bengal at number one overall. So great pick there, Voss. We're one for one. Uh, going to keep it uh, pretty similar here uh, at number two with the Washington Redskins. They just traded a fifth round pick for Kyle Allen today, I believe. So that, you know, maybe sews up the QB 
position for them a little bit. I'm not totally sure what's going on there with Dwayne Haskins and what their confidence level is with him. Uh, but for the state sake of this mock, I'm going to go ahead and go with the chalk pick uh, and go with Chase Young, linebacker out of Ohio State. Just a complete beast, in my opinion. Uh, the next coming of Miles Garrett, maybe even a little more athletic. And uh, I think he's going to be an absolute havoc to some of these NFC East offensive lines, some of whom are getting weaker as we speak with Jason Peters on the move and uh, Travis Frederick retiring. I know he plays center, but uh, Dallas losing a big piece there today as well. Yeah. And Chase is a guy who he's scary because he is nowhere near as technically sound. He's not stringing combos together uh, like bullying and then swatting the hands and doing things like that. Or uh, I mean, he's just winning off the line. He does have the moves, but he hasn't even been challenged yet. And I think that they're going to have the best, maybe the best defensive front in football with Payne, Kerrigan, Jonathan Allen. I mean, Ryan Anderson, I think could start on maybe, you know, 10 teams in this league. And he's like the fourth outside linebacker on the Redskins. So smart of them to make one room really strong. Exactly. Uh, Young has a higher ceiling than the Bosa's, all the, uh, the Buckeyes there together. And uh, that is an impressive, imposing front they're building there with the skins. They have a lot of work to do otherwise, but why not make that the calling card of their team? Yep, for sure. Dr. Schultz, you are up at number three with the Detroit Lions. I'm going to go ahead and roll with Mr. Stafford. I'm going to keep him. I'm going to go ahead and do something that's quite frustrating. I'm going to take Jeffrey Okuda, and the reason it's frustrating is because they got rid of Darius Slay. The comments that came out out of Detroit regarding Slay's relationship with Patricia are really concerning. Not Another great, not former great Bob. Kind of not great, Bob. That is not great at all. Um, really concerning comments. And then you saw kind of in that same Twitter thread, another former lion that was just like a training camp body basically come out and say, no one in my entire football career has ever treated me worse than Matt Patricia. And maybe it's one thing that he's a training camp body, but when you have a top dog like Darius Slay saying that, who you see Joe Hayden come out and all these other receivers and corners and players that study the position come out and say, you know, Darius Slay is as good as it gets. He's one of the few guys that covers ones, man coverage, shadows him, follows him across the field, whatever. It just seems stupid to me, but I feel like they have to take Okuda at this point. Okuda's got the feet. He's got the ball skills. He can click and close. He's a very solid all-around, high floor, high ceiling cornerback prospect. He's been doing it for a couple years. He played in some really big games, did all the good stuff. So uh, it's just frustrating because you could have made that a tandem. You could have made that Slay and Okuda and then all of a sudden you've got a badass corner combination. Instead, you're replacing Slay with Okuda, so it's frustrating, but it still makes sense for me. Uh, and I think that maybe we could have gone with Simmons or could have gone in a different direction here, but because they got rid of Slay, it's like, all right, let's go ahead and roll with Okuda. Yeah, I like the pick. It's one that I would have made personally, but I do hate the situation, man. It's annoying, and uh, it's not the first uh, we've heard of Matt Patricia not necessarily being the easiest guy to work with, which uh, is tough when, frankly, you haven't really done anything as a head coach. You've got to kind of prove yourself before you can be this Belichick disciple where you're all grumpy with the media and you're kind of... Exactly. Tri- it feels like he's forcing the Belichick persona a lot. Yeah, he's kind of reached that bar. Yeah, a lot of those guys like Mangini did that. A lot of these guys leave New England and they think they can just be Bill right off the bat. It's like, no, you got to warm yourself up a little bit. Like he, Bill Belichick has a lot more social and professional currency than you do. So you've got to be able to kind of hedge against that and sort of forge your own path. And it does annoy me when teams do this. Like you get rid of Slay for essentially a bag of balls, kind of like it reminds me of the Bears back in 2015. They shipped Brandon Marshall off for nothing. They pick a Kevin White at seven overall, I think, and it completely blows up in their face. So maybe the same thing happens here. I kind of hope not because Lions fans seem like uh, 
good people and they've been kicked in the proverbial nuts pretty much since the franchise has been founded. Um, so yeah, hoping that works out. But uh, regardless, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on unless you have any more thoughts on this pick Voss. The good teams add to what they have and the bad teams and poor teams tread water. So instead of having two good corners, they trade away Slay and they're just treading water, you know, at Detroit, definitely. But uh, moving on to the fourth pick, the New York Giants. Gettleman, he is a, uh, a GM that likes to build the trenches. I think they want to build around Daniel Jones. So we're going to take a right tackle with this pick. We're going to go with Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. He played right tackle at Bama, really solid prospect. Maybe doesn't have the ceiling of a Becton, but if you put him on that line with next to Zeitler, uh, they have uh, Hernandez and Solder on the opposite side on the left side. Uh, Jones has Ingram at the tight end, as well as Shepard and obviously Saquon Barkley. So that offense does have some pieces to try to score some points to uh, to keep pace with all those points the defense is going to allow. Yeah, man, not necessarily a fun pick, but a very necessary one, I think. Uh, the Giants kind of perpetually in a spot where they need offensive line help going all the way back to like five years, it feels like at this point, with Eli Manning just getting bulldozed by every NFC East pass rusher on the right. offer. And they've just been needing this for a while. And Nate Solder was a bust in free agency. Eric Flowers is now getting a big contract for other teams because he couldn't make it work with him. So it's another situation where I hate to call the Giants a bad franchise, but they've been run poorly the last couple of years. So they're kind of double dipping back on a position that they've tried to address before. Hopefully it works out for them this time with Daniel Jones showing a little bit of promise last year. And uh, yeah, I like uh, Wills a lot as a player. I feel like he's uh, complete. And there's sort of a hodgepodge of tackles who could maybe go top of the line this year. And uh, he's certainly one of them. So I think that's a good pick by you. Absolutely. Wills is nasty. He's big. He reminds me of a just more kind of balanced, lower half-wise version of Cody Ford last year. Um, he's a massive man, packs a punch. He's the Alabama Cody Ford. We'll put it that way. Um, and he's going to be able to start day one. He put some sec bad mama jamas on their ass. When you're watching tape, you go see dudes play Alabama. He has the hammer of Thor in his play, but he also is able to kind of finesse a little bit, move in space, do some things pretty well. So he's not just a power player. I like it. I think the only other, uh, for me, the top two guys are Andrew Thomas and, and Wills. Uh, guys that have kind of had some starting experience and do some things like that. So I think Daniel Jones, you can cut down on those fumbles like Vaz touched on. They've got weapons. Gettleman loves the big boys. Get her done. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you're talking about guys like uh, Chase on and Marlon Davidson who were going up against him at times. So, I mean, the fact that he's able to stonewall them says a lot of uh, good stuff about him. And, uh, you know, it's maybe a you know feather in their cap as well that they were able to have a little bit of success against him, you got to think. But moving up to the fifth pick, the Miami Dolphins, uh, Jakey boys got another, uh, slam dunk here. Uh, the dolphins are throwing me up the oop and I'm just jamming it down. Stockton to Malone style, uh, with Tua Tagovailoa quarterback out of Alabama, another crimson tide player coming off the board. Like we've been mentioning the last couple of mock drafts. This is just something that's been percolating literally since they traded Tannehill. Uh, you know, however long ago that was at this point, Schefter tweeted out that night that they were turning their eyes to Tua. And at this point, even with the injury, um, you've still got Fitzpatrick in the picture. Josh Rosen is still with the team. So who knows what's going to happen? But it feels like he's not going to have to play right away. They're going to have a team that's going to get about Rosen. <laughs> yeah, it's that's tough, man. That's very tough. But uh, maybe he'll get some some snaps uh, to potentially salvage his career this season. But we'll see if he even makes the team at this point. But ultimately, you've 
got a team where you're adding some pieces, uh, you know, a la Byron Jones, some of the guys they added up front. Um, and they did sign Eric Flowers, I believe, there at uh, guard tackle. So uh, going to be interesting. They're not set up to necessarily even go 500, I think, this year. But if you have, let's say, a scrappy first half of the year where you win like maybe three games and then Tua comes in and he wins you another three or four uh, in the second half of the season after that hip is healed up. That's a very good year for me. And uh, like I said, this is just the pick all along. I think it's going to be the pick, uh, save something drastic happening. And uh, yeah, Tua Tagovailoa is your franchise savior. Uh, take, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it, Josh Houts. <laughs> Josh Houts loves it. Uh, Tua is great in that quick passing game, which maybe can negate them having a weak line whenever he does take over. And yeah, feel bad for Josh Rosen. But like we were touching on Brian Flores, another Belichick disciple, he is not trying to go out there and trot out that dickhead football guy, macho man, peewee football. Flores just kind of is that guy authentically, which is, I think, why it works for him. Like he's just a hard ass. He's from Brownsville. Like he came up. You see him smiling on the sideline and kind of getting, you know, that that like. I used to play football like yeah, like you, you've had a stuff. you've had a coach in high school like that before, right? Where it's like he's kind of a dick sometimes. Ron but, Johnson, yeah, North but Carol at the high end school. of the day, it's like this guy. I know this guy loves me deep down. Exactly, but yeah, Tua, a very special player, kind of similar to Burrow, maybe could be more special. And Josh Houts loves it. Yeah, for sure, Voss. What are your thoughts on Mister Tua going to the Dolphins? There, yeah, it's a chalk pick. It makes a ton of sense for them. Flores is an up and coming coach. Miami spent a lot of money in free agency, probably overpaid some guys, but they're taking a long-term view with a pick like Tua, as they should. looks like Buffalo, at least after the first wave of free agency, they're in pole position in the in the East, and, and Miami's looking to compete with the Jets and the Patriots for 2021-2022. Uh, for sure. Uh, love it. So, Dr. King Schultz, you are up at number six with the uh, Southern California Chargers, uh, presented by Goodyear. Presented by Goodyear. I'm going to go ahead and throw a wrench here. And while I'm looking at him, I'm staring at him. I think that he might be a little overvalued, just a hair. But if you can go take Derwin James, who can cover any wide receiver, any tight end, spy a quarterback. We saw that happen against Lamar Jackson. Now let's put Isaiah Simmons on the Los Angeles Chargers. And you have two players that are matchup players that can go cover a tight, you know, if you're playing against an explosive offense, those two guys can go counterbalance the best two weapons of any team. I think that that would be a very interesting combination. A lot of people might take Herbert here. I think that might have been more chalk. But if you go take Isaiah Simmons, there's been a lot of rumblings linking Jalen Hurts to the Chargers, which I love. I'm very high on Hurts being in the same mold as a Dak Prescott. Makes a lot um, of sense if Tyrod is going to be their guy this year, right? I also am high on Tyrod, exactly. An efficient quarterback, a perfect bridge quarterback for a later round quarterback to come in or for them to maybe go after a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. But I just think that if you have Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, uh, the cornerback situation that they do, and then you can go put Derwin James and Isaiah Simmons, who is a very similar player to Isaiah Simmons on the same side of the football that is a hell of a defensive unit. Isaiah Simmons, Derwin James can play all the way through as those overhang defenders. They can play the dime linebacker. They can bring some juices, edge rushers, very versatile defenders. And maybe, you know, they kind of look and say, Justin Herbert isn't exactly the guy that we want to throw into the fire right now. So maybe he's going to start behind or be benched behind Tyrod Taylor to begin with anyway. Herbert kind of gets knocked for the leadership and things like that. I don't necessarily care to that as much, but uh, Oregon had maybe the second or third best offensive line in football 
They have four guys who are going to start in the NFL at some point, uh, one of them being a premier left tackle who is a freshman who will be a top-five pick, in my opinion, at some point. Uh, I don't think that you want to go throw Justin Herbert to the Wolves when Phillip Rivers couldn't get it done. So I think Tyrod Taylor is kind of used to taking the beating there a little bit more. And like I said, put Simmons and Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Hayward on defense. That is a unit that's going to give people problems. You can hang on to those guys, give them some time to mesh over the next couple of years, and boom, throw a quarterback in there when you're ready. And that might be a better alternative to kind of throwing Herbert to the Wolves off the bat. There's a lot of talk about positionless uh, football. That feels like a defense to me that like all those guys could play any position like that's just a positionless, versatile, athletic defense. So I like that a lot. Um, yeah, so that's a ton of fun. You do pass on Herbert there, which I think is interesting. That opens up a lot of possibilities. Voss, you got the uh, Carolina Panthers coming up in an in interesting spot here at number seven. Cam Newton still on the roster. Are they going to trade him? Are they going to release him? Who knows what happens there? Teddy Bridgewater just signed to be the proverbial franchise quarterback. I don't really know what the plan is with that. Rumors of them wanting to tank for Trevor Lawrence. You have Will Greer on the roster, who was a third-round pick a year ago. Uh, It's a weird spot to be in quarterback-wise, but that is not their only need. Uh, With the way that the board has fallen, what are you looking at, my man? A very interesting scenario there. New coaching staff, obviously, with Matt Rule taking over the helm. Joe Brady, LSU's OC, taking over as the uh, play caller. Um, I think they're going to go defense, and I think they're going to go defensive line with this pick. They lost McCoy in free agency, uh, which maybe wasn't a huge loss for them. But uh, I'm going to maybe throw a bigger wrench in that last pick, which was brilliant, by the way, Spencer. And I am going to reach for Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle. I think he fits their mold in the Kawan Shore penetrator up front. Um, And they're going to be – now they have Brian Burns also coming off the edge. Um, They are going to be able to rush the quarterback pretty well. I think Kinlaw has tremendous upside and he's a good value, even though it might be a little earlier than some project. Yeah, that's not something you're hearing a lot about right now, but I kind of like it from the perspective that – Ken Law is a guy whose tape is obviously great. Uh, he tested well, I believe. And he's a guy who, based on what we heard at the Senior Bowl, is just a dude who's going to blow teams away in the meeting room. And that goes pretty damn far, as we heard from our boy Connor Rogers, who uh, goes to the Combine every year and is very plugged in. And the meetings can kind of make or break your draft stock. And Ken Law is a dude who is... Uh, beaten a lot of odds to get to where he's been he's done it via hard work and uh, good character so uh, I think he's a guy who has a chance to be a uh, riser I don't know if he's gonna make it all the way up to number seven like you're predicting here but uh, I love you throwing the wrench in there Spencer what are your thoughts you know Ken Law's a guy and I've had a couple glasses of wine here um, but shout he, out to Monday drinking it, by the way gotta love shout quarantine. out to, shout out to Vino but it gives me chills because I remember uh, there was a question asked to Javon Kinlaw. I can't remember if it was the combine or what it was, but I can remember his response. And it was something along the lines of, you know, if you could give your younger self advice to when you were maybe 10 years old, what would you say? And he said, you're doing great. Don't worry about what other kids are wearing to school. The clothes on your back are good enough. Even if you only have a couple of sets, keep working hard and you're going to make it. And just like you said, Jake, he is a guy who, battled the odds. He was homeless. He said he used to go, you know, walk a couple of blocks, fill up buckets of water so that him and his siblings could, you know, bathe themselves with water. And then you go and watch him play football. And he's a guy where his character translates to the football field, the tenacity that he plays with. Um, he was a little bit chunkier at one point and he kind of has shed that baby fat into just having like a juggernaut thick, long, big, huge, massive, mobile build. He's a freak athlete at his size. And if you go watch Carolina tape, South Carolina tape, 
he was by far the best defender on that defense. He was getting triple teamed consistently. If he got lined up over the you know B gaps, if he was anywhere inside, it was a passing situation. There is a guy attacking his chest plate, at least one dude attacking one of his shoulders and trying to work him off the ball. He's going to get one-on-ones in the NFL. He's going to be able to go stick in there along, you know, pair him with a Brian Burns. You've got juice off the edge, juice up the middle. I mean, he's a guy who could really go play five tech. You can put him as a zero. You can put him as a one. You can put him as a three. You can put him as a five. I absolutely love the pick. Rule is an interesting guy. I'm not sure what he's going to do defensively. That's kind of his side of the ball, his forte a little bit. He was an offensive line coach at one point, but he imposed a 3-3-5 at Baylor. It was a really interesting and menacing defense when you go back and watch, and it's predicated on being able to take on double teams up front. Kinlaw can do that with the best of them, so I love the pick. He has upside as a pass rusher, upside as a run defender, uh, just an absolute animal and very mobile for his size, so I think he would fit in well filling in for you know losing McCoy losing Luke Keekley and getting some juice up the spine again yeah for sure so very interesting pick there like it a lot moving on to number eight pick number eight with the Arizona Cardinals uh, just made maybe the biggest splash of the offseason or certainly one of the biggest uh, in their acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins talk about for a fucking bag of balls uh, David Johnson is changing hands between the Texans and the Cardinals and a couple of draft picks. But, uh, yeah, pretty much peanuts for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And I pretty much whenever we have done this have settled on the guy who projects to compare to him and CeeDee Lamb. I think that kind of throws that out the window at this point. It feels like they have the receiving options they need there with Hopkins, with um, Christian Kirk, with Andy Isabella coming up strong a little bit. Maybe Hakeem Butler becomes something who knows. Keyshawn Johnson. Sure. Uh, shout out to uh you know, former number one overall pick, Keyshawn Johnson, uh, now a studio analyst, I believe. So a little bit weird that they will be bringing him in. Um, and then from, okay. I'm glad you guys like, didn't laugh at that. That was a pretty good joke. I thought <laughs> I know there are <laughs> two Keyshawn right Johnson. They, they spell it differently. So, uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's like, it's K E E S E A N, right? <laughs> Something like that. That's kind of lame, but whatever. I think Keyshawn with K E Y is cooler. Uh, but regardless, feels like they're set at receiver. They need to protect Kyler Murray up front. He was running for his life last year. So I'm going to go with a tackle prospect that I like a lot. Go Cardinal to Cardinal here with uh, Makai Becton out of Louisville. Some people think he projects as a right tackle. I think he could probably do either side. Just an absolute mammoth of a man. Um, Wasn't playing for necessarily a great team last year, but stepping in for a guy like Kyler Murray, who's going to be able to move around a little bit, move the pocket, maybe make his job a little bit easier. I think he projects very good as a pro, can play on either side, like I said. And uh, the pictures of those two, him and Kyler Murray standing next to each other, are going to be hilarious. So what are your guys' thoughts? (laughs) He's a freak, super freak, right, Spen? Yeah, he's, uh, he's perfect for that air raid system, blocking out the sun. Uh, Ravens fans are kind of familiar with Orlando Brown being of that same size, but Becton is a freaky deaky athlete. And in the air raid, Kingsbury does some really interesting quick set pass pro, uh, kind of having guards rush behind the tackle and pull outside and having tackles bite down the line. And for my money of the tackle prospects, there's kind of the big four in this class. He's the one who fits an air raid the best because he is the most difficult to beat quickly. Um, so I think that's a good fit there. For sure. Uh, so moving on, we now have you at pick number nine with the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is an interesting position. Jaguars have lost every single premier defender, basically, that has gone elsewhere. Um, so I'm going to go against and maybe it's, you know, just what I would do as opposed to what I think they're going to do. I'm going to go ahead and take CD Lamb off the board. I think that uh, it's kind of pointless almost to try and fill 
these defensive pieces that you've clearly been able to find so well. Feels like the Jaguars do a good job evaluating later in the draft and able to pull in some uh, good prospects off the free agent market as well. So go ahead and give Gardner Minshew, who I like a lot, I think has a ton, a ton, a ton of uh, kind of veteran savvy about him and give him a receiver to go along with Mr. Uh, names DJ Shark from LSU, who had a really outstanding breakout year last year. Suddenly, you've got a couple good options there, as well as Leonard Fournette. There's some good offensive line depth later in this draft, but CD Lamb's got to come off the board somewhere, and I think that it makes sense to try and give them a little target there and give Minshew some weapons. Yep, like I've uh, been making the comparison, I think he is uh, like the T-1000 from Terminator 2, just able to run through anything. You really can't stop him, and um, he's handsome as hell. So, Voss, what are your thoughts on CeeDee Lamb? Great pick, great pick, great value. Shark had a good year. I'm still not personally sold on him. They have a couple other decent receivers. Conley's all right, but if you can put a pick a number one, you know, wide receiver one, first one off the board they could certainly use the help yep for sure so we've got you up now good sir at number 10 with the cleveland brownies cleveland brownies i think we all know what position they're looking at here offensive tackle and i think the pick is going to be andrew thomas plug and play Uh, unfortunately it kind of falls into the lap there what they need after going out and signing jack conklin to play the right side in free agency, and they got conquered for a, a reasonable value. We should we should note, um, Mayfield sure. was running, yeah, Bay, Mayfield was running for his life last year. He just he was so out of sorts. He just you know he wasn't in rhythm. So if you can now add bookend tackles to that offensive personnel they have, that's that you know makes them a pretty uh, tough team. It's going to be a challenge to to uh, to continue uh, beating them. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on Andrew Thomas of the Cleveland Browns, Mr. Schultz? He is my number one tackle in this class. I think that he is so balanced between his ability to move downhill in the run game, which you figure Kevin Stefanski is going to want to do a ton. Uh, looks like he's going to be deploying that same kind of zone running scheme that he had in Minnesota. They have Kareem Hunt. They have Nick Chubb. Uh, being able to do that. Thomas can move downhill. He's got heavy hands. He's got length and really stymied everyone in the SEC. One of the best tackle prospects I think I've ever seen in my life coming out. Uh, tons of experience. Some people talk about moving him inside. I think that he's a pure left tackle and he's not, you know, not going to overwhelm you with raw strength, but the power he's able to get in his technique and just put dudes on the ground and pass pro. Um, he's a difficult guy to get around. I think he is the most technically sound left tackle in this draft. And like Voss said, it's going to be difficult for the Ravens. This is their biggest threat to me. Uh, they seem to match up really well with the Ravens and now having Conklin as well as Thomas on the outside on uh, some, I mean, decent interior offensive linemen mixed with those weapons is going to be a formidable, formidable opponent. Uh, we'll see what they do defensively, but it looks like that is going to be a hell of an offensive line. Maybe Baker Mayfield can relax in the pocket. He has been rumored to be, you know, the the one read and then kind of make it into a playground situation. And maybe that helps him progress into being able to chill out in the pocket, sit for a second, see if you can, you know, dump the ball off to the flat and be a little bit more efficient than throwing all those interceptions. So I think that's a really great pick. And I prefer him for the Browns over a Wills or over a Becton, especially in Kevin Stavansky's offense. So I think it's a great pick. Yeah, I mean, I love the pick, too. I love Thomas as well. Um, Guy who was talked about as like a top three, top four pick uh, not too long ago. I'm not really sure why the uh, 
Heard has sort of been leveled out a little bit here with some of these top tackle prospects, but I think that's just part of the offseason. Um, and, I mean, speaking of offseason, I think the Browns would have a tremendous one if they get a guy like this. Conklin was a great signing, especially at that value, as you mentioned. Uh, Thomas would step in day one as their left tackle. Don't love the Hooper signing, but they had the money. Um, and, you know, it's not like they were lacking for weapons to begin with. It's not like they need him to do a whole lot. So if they sure that offensive lineup, it's kind of all on Baker because Nick Chubb is going to be able to run behind it. Um, no so, excuses for Mayfield in 2020 if they go get a left tackle. Exactly, especially with the way that uh, Stefanski is going to be. Um, you know, they're not going to be blaming him in the way that they were blaming Kitchens last year. Let's just put it like that. Uh, but moving on, kind of a similar situation to pick number 11 with Sam Darnold and the Jets, guy who needs a big-time bounce-back year. He, unfortunately, is still going to have Adam Gase in the picture, uh, who I think is probably going to be the... Um, agent that is active you know kind of against him here a little bit uh which is tough when that's your head coach and offensive coordinator effectively um but regardless want to inject another piece into that offense and specifically the offensive line they're not really set at receiver it's weird what's going on with them right now with robbie anderson out on the free agent market just kind of sitting there no team making a play for him the jets not really rumored to have made a ton of contact with him uh, to begin with lev bell there's been some trade stuff floating around doesn't really look like that's going to happen but skill wise they're in kind of a weird spot and there's a lot of skill players to choose from but ultimately i'm going to go ahead and uh do the same thing that the browns did for their young 2018 draft class quarterback uh for the jets and i'm going to go ahead and pick a guy in tristan Wirfs out of iowa who is one of my absolute favorite prospects he's a guy who can play either tackle or guard um but i think with them losing Kaleche Osemele at guard and that kind of just being a bust of an acquisition to begin with I think you get a guy in there who is going to provide stability who's going to start from day one I think you probably do plug him into that interior spot to help uh you know protect Sam Darnold in the uh inside of the trenches there as opposed to the outside they've made some other investments that uh you know tackle and perimeter that they probably want to you know allow to pan out or not pan out uh over the course of this year but uh Tristan Wirfs to pick for me uh for the Jets at number 11. Yeah, Werfs is a guy you've been on for a long time. You're a big Werfs guy. I like him too. He's super mobile, gives you that inside-outside flexibility, versatility, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that is the smart pick because what I fear the Jets are going to end up doing is getting bullets before they have a gun and picking a Jerry Judy or a Kalevon Chase on and not doing Sam Darnold any favors. And that's the worst thing you can do, in my opinion, for him, especially because he has shown such a great ability to make plays in the second play after the ball is snapped. And if you just give him a little bit more stability, he might stop seeing so many ghosts and all that good stuff. Um, if they are able to go snag a uh, Lucas Niang at a TCU in the second round, maybe an Austin Jackson who had reasons for uh, having a down year. He donated bone marrow to his sister who was you know, basically dying without it. But if they're able to go do that in the second round, then maybe I can see going otherwise. But go get yourselves, just like Baker Mayfield, go get the kid a line. Just get the kid a line. He's not a superstar athlete, although he is quite an athlete. And he's shown the ability to, like I said, roll out, find somebody who's open and get the ball there. So I like to pick a lot. Yep. And that's my rationale for doing it is uh, just kind of protecting him. Voss, any thoughts? That's a great pick, Jake. Uh, and with 
the situation the Jets are in, they have so many needs everywhere. You really need to go BPA, and Worf's his BPA, and he's the uh, the fourth tackle off the board in the top 11 already. I'll tell you what, man. Coming up to number 12, we got the Grim Reaper of Greektown, Vasily Larikos. Really like this kid, man. Coming out of Baltimore, Maryland, man. Wears his hair in a bun. <laughs> Smells like Ricard Noir and cigars all the time, as we were saying <laughs> off air there, man. But uh, picking at number 12 for my Las Vegas Raiders, man. Vasily Larikos, man. What do you got? Is that my pick? That's your pick. I just picked. It's, it's Spencer's pick. Oh, it's Spencer's? Yeah. Is it mine? Did... 12. Okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Oh, yep. God damn it. That was so good, too. Oh, man. It was, well, it was better. It was better. It was better that you rattled off for Vaz than me. Well, I would have come, but... come up with something good for you. No, Vaz fit pit. Blah. Fit perfectly. That was Save like, it for nineteen because I have nineteen. Well, that was uh, that was well, that was my Gruden, so I wanted to do it for the Raiders, but that was off the dome, man. No, like, I'm saying the Raiders have nineteen also. Oh, pick hey, nineteen. Man, Damn it, no, like, I can't do it now. That, that little bit's dead. We're out here grinding, man. I'll tell you what, this guy uh, Spencer Schultz, man, they call him the Hebrew Hammer out of Hampstead. He's gonna come in here and uh, make a good pick for the Las Vegas Raiders, man. At number twelve, man. Live from a Hooters is Spencer Schultz to make John Gruden's pick for the Raiders. I'm going to go ahead and hammer the Derek Brown button off the bat. Uh, best player available. I can see Gruden giggling, walking away with a pick like that. That's also a big well, Mayock pick right there, too. Definitely a big Mayock pick. A uh, guy that, in to me, is a top five talent in this class. You know, he had a crappy combine, uh, not being able to bend, things like that. Um whatever uh, you go watch a video of him doing the drill himself on Twitter and you see a six, five, 200, 330 pound guy that's dipping down to the floor. When you go watch Derek Brown, he made Lloyd Cushenberry, who is about a second round center prospect, maybe the second, third best center in this draft. Uh, and Damian Lewis, the right guard there, they double teamed him. He put one of their faces in the turf, took Cushenberry, threw him into Burrow, sacked him. I think that he can rush the passer very, very, very well. Uh, they have Max Crosby. They have Arden Key. They've got some juice there. But Cleland Farrell, they hope, can develop. That was you know, kind of a, a character pick there, according to them. Maybe a little bit high last year. But Derek Brown is able to come shore up the dead pan center of that defense. Uh, you might like to see a Judy here, which would make a lot of sense, or a Ruggs. But with that receiver depth in the second and third rounds, I think that they can go find someone to pair up with Tyrell Williams, with uh, Waller and Renfro. But I think that Derek Brown at this point is a Gruden grinder and is a guy that is going to completely free up you know, Crosby, Key, some of these other pass rushers to go do some things and uh, downright be nasty against the run. They have no linebacking core to speak of. Maybe we end up seeing them do that at 19 or something of the sort. But Brown just takes a lot of pressure off of the rest of your defense. Uh, I'm as big of a fan of Derek Brown's game as I think there is anyone out there, you know, checking his tape. And I believe that at him falling to 12 is a godsend for Gruden and Mayock. Yeah, Brown's an absolute beast uh, coming out of Auburn there. I think he would slide in well to that Raiders defense that could use a little bit more teeth up front. They used to have some guys up there. It feels like it's kind of falling off a little bit, but having a guy like Brown up there could help uh, Cleveland Farrell maybe continue to develop there at uh, Edge. So uh, I like that a lot. Sure, up the trenches a little bit there in Vegas. Uh, Voss, you are now picking, I believe, correct, at number 13? I am. Look at me getting it right. San Francisco 49ers. Voss is on the clock. Number 13. Here we go. So this is the pick that they acquired in the DeForest Buckner trade. And I think uh, Lynch, their 
GM would be very happy to have both Ruggs and Judy on the board. And I'm going to pick Ruggs here. I think he is a ideal replacement for Manny Sanders, who they lost in free agency. Terrific speed, excellent hands, can help stretch the field, and would be a terrific complement to Debo Samuel. Hammer and Hank, that's our guy. I uh, like him a lot. Probably my favorite receiver in the draft. Don't think he's necessarily the best, but uh, absolutely love him. And uh, he would be, he should be illegal in a Kyle Shanahan offense because that guy would do big numbies even from year one. Spencer, what are your thoughts? Being able to run double reverses with him and Debo, yeah, two electric playmakers and the kind of the underbelly of what Ruggs can do and why he fits into the Kyle Shanahan offense. Bama ran with him as a lead block, not necessarily a lead blocker, but with him as the key blocker, a shocking amount of times for someone who runs a four two seven. He was a gunner on special teams. It would knock people's teeth out, make some jarring hits uh, just for the only comparison you make is Tyree kill as they're two guys who have that Olympic track speed, but also are just natural football players. They look right with the ball in their hands. Um, the things they're able to do. Ruggs works underneath extremely well, despite his speed. Uh, you would think he was more of, you know, kind of a vertical deep ball, 40 yards in the air kind of threat. But on the RPO slants, the backside slants, Tua loved him there. He's got over 10-inch hands, huge mitts, and pairs perfectly with Debo Samuel, able to really, really, really – be madness in that offense is unfair that they're going to get to replace Emmanuel Sanders with Henry Ruggs in this draft. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's a very fun pick. I like it a lot. And uh, a big benefit of the Niners go ahead, going ahead and trading Buckner away to make that huge jump up to uh, number 13th overall. So that's going to net them a great player. And in my opinion, uh, Ruggs would maybe be the perfect fit for them there. So uh, I like that pick a lot. Moving on to the Tom Brady Buccaneers, uh, TB12 is going down to TB, Tampa Bay. So this is a interesting team. I guess they're in win the Super Bowl now this year, correct? Have to. Yeah, for sure. So I guess looking at their team needs, like they're pretty stacked on offense. Offensive line could maybe use a little bit of help. I uh, was looking at some of those options, but I think some of the good ones are gone. Speaking on defense, they it feels like, the, you know, they brought some guys back at edge, but they still need help there. They need help at corner. Uh, the guy that I'm looking at is uh, Caleb on Chason out of LSU, the pass rusher. Um, super athletic. I think you could plug him into a Todd Bowles defense uh, and have him wreak havoc, uh, you know, kind of pretty early on because I feel like Bowles is good at taking his young athletic guys and refining them or at least getting what he needs to get out of them. And Chason is a guy who I feel like can kind of get over his skis a little bit where he's running around some of these SEC tackles and just kind of falling on his feet and being on the ground a little bit too much. But if he can just sort of taper that off a little bit and uh, refine his game a little bit, I think he could have five sacks at least uh, in his first year with Todd Bowles. Yeah, Chason is uh, in that Bruce Arians defense. If you go look at how Arians and Bowles work together in Arizona, you see the Dion Buchanan, you see Tony Jefferson, you see some of those uh, interesting, you know, coming back to it again, those positionless defenders where Chason is very adept at dropping into the flat, at dropping into a hook to zone. I saw him cover some wheel routes 
and then brings juice and pairing him, being able to put him and Shaq Barrett on opposite sides or maybe even on the same side of the field. Those are two explosive, explosive guys. I probably personally would have gone with maybe a CJ Henderson here because their secondary was atrocious last year. Um, but chase on is going to be a missile. He is 20 years old right now, has a ton of upside, but will be able to play early and you can easily see him being one of those, you know, uh, Terrell Edmonds or Tremaine Edmonds, whichever one of them is the backer in Buffalo. Can never remember between two. Exactly. You can see him being 23 years old with three years of NFL experience, being a 15 sack guy saying, how the hell did he end up, you know, sliding all the way down past uh, 12, 13, all the way to 14. So I like the chase on pick. I think he has just as much upside as pretty as maybe even chase young with his get off and uh, some of the explosiveness. And then he was a team captain for LSU. And with how many defensive playmakers they had, he was the one that was chosen as the leader. And you see him on the sideline and some clips and things kind of getting everybody fired up and getting them together. He's only 20 years old and was leading that group that has all Americans left and right. So uh, Chase on is a guy who might not contribute quite as much as, you know, maybe a corner here, but in a couple of years, I think has tremendous upside. Voss, you were up yeah. at uh, number 15 with uh, John Elway's Broncos. No, Spencer's up. Spencer's after you. <laughs> God damn, man. I'm absolutely <laughs> falling apart here. I don't know what's going on. Spencer, you were up with uh, John Elway's Broncos. Hey, I'd like, like to start this out by uh, thanking John Elway for being such an, a tremendous GM. Do you guys remember that? Mm-mm. When John Elway thanked himself? No. <laughs> he, he fired John Fox and he walked out into uh, the press conference that he's like, I'd like to start this out by uh, saying thank you to John Elway. <laughs> it's like, all right, John. Well, I don't know what we're doing here, but. I'm going to find um, that. He, Go he's got his big arm quarterback. He's got his big body receiver and Jerry Judy will pair very well with him. I would love to see Jerry Judy slide a little bit. Uh, I've kind of fallen in love with him as a sneaky little trade up that will never happen for the Ravens. But Jerry Judy can separate. Cortland Sutton can separate as well as winning those big body balls. You got Noah Fan up the middle. Uh, they are able to probably go build a little bit better offensive line in the middle rounds. They've got some picks they've invested in the last couple of years there, but uh, go give Drew Locke those weapons. He, came and showed what I thought he was going to be, which is a first round quality quarterback, uh, led them to some difficult wins in that situation. And for my money, Jerry Judy can separate as well as any receiver I've seen enter the NFL draft in the past, you know, three, four, five years, uh, able to do some stuff at all three levels, those quick slants. He can hit the comebacks. He can hit the, you know, dig routes and then just straight goes and posts those sevens, those nines. Uh, so I think Jerry Judy is a perfect fit for this Denver offense able to maybe go put up some points and uh, give the chiefs a close 45 to 35 win instead of just, you know, getting shut out like they usually do. So Jerry Judy, a perfect friend for Cortland Sutton and drew lock. In my opinion, I'd like to start out this uh, press conference with uh, a thank you to John John Fox. So I think my problem is here is I'm getting a little over my skis like with my bits that I'm trying to do. So I keep forgetting the order. But uh, yeah, sorry about that, Voss. I I just needed to uh, get my John Elway bit in there. What are your thoughts on Jerry Judy going to the Broncos? Good good pick. The Broncos are building up a a nice core of of young offensive playmakers. Sutton, I think, is poised to really break out the next year with Locke. And I think Judy's a great compliment with, with Fant as well. I think that's a good pick for uh, for Mr. Horseface. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> ricochet shot. This guy can't catch. You know, a break. you know it was tough for him to resist Herbert too. He's like, 
Man, well, that's that what. Two quarterbacks so that's arm. that's what I was thinking. Herbert is falling. Is there a conversation had there if you're Elway and whoever is the owner of the team right now? I guess Pat Bowen's son. I don't think so. I think Drew Locke is had has proved that he is an NFL quarterback in his limited snaps. He had some swagger about him. He made NFL throws, NFL decisions, didn't turn the ball over too much. Uh, and straight up as a prospect, I just like Drew Locke coming out of Missouri better than I like Herbert. Drew Locke played on an absolute dog shit Missouri Tigers team. And if you go look at the records that Joe Burrow broke, they were all Drew Locke's from 2017. Um, I love Drew Locke. I think, you know, as much as Elway might be like, man, that guy can throw the ball 70 yards. We can have two of them on the field at the same time. But uh, I think they like Drew Locke. I think they're going to roll. And Herbert continues to slide, which is a very real possibility in this draft. Yeah, I think you and I are in a lock step there on lock. But uh, moving on, uh, Mr. Luricos at number 16 with Atlanta. So Atlanta needs pass defense in a big way. Um, it would probably be Chase on if Henderson went to Tampa at 14. In this case, we'll reverse it. C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. Clearly the second-best cover man in this draft behind Akuda. A polished player, good technique, um, and that could really help Atlanta as they try to defend some leads they create with that high-powered offense. Matt Ryan and former Raven Hayden Hurst also helping them out. So I think Henderson's a home-run pick here. Spencer, your thoughts on the uh, former corner going to Atlanta? I believe that Henderson, the gap between Okuda and Henderson is a lot smaller than the kind of narrative has been that, uh, sure. I, I have Okuda as a slightly better prospect, but Henderson has been doing it for years down there at Florida, matching up with the sec's toughest. Um, he can play man. He can play zone. He can click and close same stuff. Great feet, sub four, four speed. He's got the size. He has press jam ability, checks every single box. Um, Okuda might have been just highlighted in a little bit more advanced scheme in a worse passing conference conference in the Big Ten, whereas the SEC has you know some premier passers and premier receivers. Uh, but Henderson has done it against the best. You go watch him against Bama. You go watch him against LSU. Gave some fits. Uh, Jamar Chase did get the best of him, as he did get the best of everyone. But that's the only one that I can remember that really toasted C.J. Henderson. And Florida asked a lot of him, put him on an island a lot, and he performed. So absolutely, I am glad that Chason is not the pick here. I would, I might have to fly down to Atlanta and, I don't know, do some terrible things. I'm so sick of the Falcons taking these speedy pass rushers. Go get a big boy. Another guy like here would be Epinesa. They need some power up front. They do need passing game help. Um, but I think that Henderson would be a great pick, and I believe that Epinesa would be a good pick here too. Well, Dan Quinn's got to figure it out, and uh, he has talent up and down the roster on both sides, and this would add even more uh, to his defense there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be all in for him. So to figure it out, um, rounding that defense into form, especially after losing guys like Desmond Trufant, who had admittedly lost a step, and some of these other players, maybe it's time to shed the fat and get a little bit younger in that secondary. So I like that pick a lot. Uh, and before we go on to number uh, 17 with the Cowboys. We're going to take a quick commercial break and be right back. All right, so we're coming back here from break. Uh, we just had a SEC cornerback go to the Atlanta Falcons. They're uh, NFC uh, brethren here in the Cowboys. They're going to be doing the same thing. They're picking a cornerback to replace Byron Jones, who left in free agency for the, for the Dolphins to sign a big contract. I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, – 
Christian Fulton, uh, the cornerback out of LSU. Um, I think he's just a guy who is a very complete player, uh, just an absolute alpha dog. Um, I believe he had, you know, a good amount of interceptions. So I think stepping in for a guy like Byron Jones, who is just a super athlete. I don't think he's quite athletic, but very few are. Jones tested um, incredibly with all the spark scores and stuff at the combine. So he was just a tremendous player for them. And like I said, I kind of hate doing that replacement pick type deal. Uh, but this is one that I think is uh, going to be worth it, um, at least for a team that kind of has a lot of needs uh, in the secondary sneakily. So what are your guys thoughts on that? I like Fulton a lot. He was extremely solid, benefited a little bit from having Delpit, having uh, Derek Stingley, but he matched up well. I think at his lowest, he is a very rock solid second cornerback. If he's not, you know, the guy, I think that he can go be a long-term viable professional NFL cornerback uh, brings versatility of man and zone has the athletic traits, has the size. Um, I don't think he has the feet quite of uh, Henderson or an Okuda. Uh, I think he might be slightly leaning towards being a zone corner a little tiny bit more. Uh, the Cowboys do run zone, so it makes sense. And I like it. I think that, you know, it's another one of those moves we talked about earlier where they let Byron Jones go, who is a premier cornerback in the NFL. And now they have to go fill it in the draft. So it's treading water, but they're in a win now mode still with all those huge contracts and some aging veterans. So go get a cornerback, go try and win from that sound. It's, you know, he's not Byron Jones necessarily, but he could be Brandon Carr who had a lot of good years for them. So I think uh, in that sense, uh, that's maybe where I'm coming from with that pitch. Just a guy who has a potential to be very solid for the boys there. Voss, what do you think? Agreed all around. I think Fulton is flying the radar a little bit in this draft class, but uh, quality corners are very valuable. So I think he will go top 20 for sure. Spenny Powers, you were up at 18 with the uh, Dale Dale Miami Dolphins. I'm going to go ahead. I almost contemplated taking Swift just because they have so many picks and it would be exciting. And you're giving, you know, we're pairing Tua with He's Swift. He's right there. Swift. He's right there on the draft network board, too. It's like kind of tempting at certain points. Exactly. And I do like Swift as he presents a ton of pass catching ability and is a plus pass pro. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not going to end up taking a running back here. I'm going to go ahead and get AJ Epinesa, who is a guy who's kind of slid down the draft board due to the combine. Let's go pair him up with Kyle Van Noy, Christian Wilkins, uh, and some of the other rotational pieces that they have there that have done really well. I think that's good value, good leader, uh, an experienced player with a high ceiling. Uh, We've spoken about Epinesa on this show so many times, so I'm not going to get too deep into him, but he's going to be able to start early on, give you good reps, solid against the run, going to get after the passer as well, a technician, and a high-character guy as well. So I think Tua and Epinesa are a hot start for the Miami Dolphins. What do you think, Voss? Great pick there. I was eyeing him up with the next pick, actually. Um, definitely high floor player. I think he fits what Miami's trying to do. They're trying to build up that front, and good good uh, value there for sure. I'll tell you what, man. I call this guy the Greek god because he's Greek, and he has the uh, physical stature of a god, and he's picking for my team here at number 19, man, the Las Vegas Raiders, man, Vasily Lorikos. What do you got there, man? Okay, so the board's starting to get thinned out a little bit here. Oakland, I'm sorry, Las Vegas. Now, if that stadium's built in time, I guess we'll see. Find out. They could go in a few different directions here. Perhaps a receiver, such as Justin Jefferson. They don't have a lot of their receiving corps, but we know that that team, Mayock in particular, likes those Bama boys. So I'm going to go with the safety, Xavier McKinney. I think he complements 
their first round pick from last year, Jonathan Abram, very well, a high character player to fit their system. Yeah, I like that pick a lot. Um, he sort of fits into maybe more of the box safety type guy. Uh, Abram may be a little bit similar to that, but I like that pairing uh, a lot. And he is, like you mentioned, going to be a Mayock guy coming out of Alabama, that big school, big name, high character. That's going to be a good pick in my book. Spencer, what do you think? I love McKinney. He's a player that I have my eye on for the Ravens. He is in that same mold as Abram, like Vaz said, that they're almost that modern linebacker, that dime linebacker. And McKinney, to me, lines up, and a lot of people like to compare to Tyron Matthew, but I think that McKinney deserves that comparison. He is best used as a slot corner overhang defender. He is the only player, according to PFF, to record an 88 or better as a pass rusher and in uh, coverage. For my money, one of the best tacklers I've seen in a long time as far as not missing tackles uh, did let Clyde Edwards-Hilaire get the best of him a little bit in that department, but the only guy who got better of him, and Edwards-Hilaire is just a very special runner. But McKinney can do it all. He brings the tackling prowess. He brings the coverage prowess underneath. Really reminds me of Jamal Adams, and that's why I thought he might be an interesting fit for the Ravens later on. guy that can just come in, play dimebacker and do it all. And is very disruptive. Five pass deflections, four forced fumbles, gets sacks, gets tackles for loss, a factor in the run game, a four down defender. And you put two of them back there. And I believe that the Raiders have uh, some formidable players. If we give them Derek Brown, McKinney, they got Max Crosby and some other players up there as well. They uh, traded for Gary on Conley. So we'll see how they end up faring. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a uh, very interesting pick, and it's going to continue to round the Raiders into more of a competitor, hopefully, this year uh, in their opening year there in Sin City. Um, I was kind of thinking you were maybe going to go in the direction that I'm about to go. Uh, The board has fallen in a way that I was not expecting uh, with Justin Herbert crashing all the way down here to number 20 with the Jaguars, where I'm going to go ahead and scoop him up. Uh, the quarterback out of Oregon, um, who has been there for several years, done a great job coming in and sort of being that second coming of Marcus Mariota. I think he's very similar from an athletic profile. Um, And the thing with Mariota, I think it was some untapped potential where if he didn't have some of the injuries that he had and hadn't had some of the turnover in the coaching staff, I thought he could have at least developed into a pretty solid quarterback that, you know, won 10 games year in and year out. So I think the Jags have shown that even when they don't have a great quarterback, they can kind of make it happen. I mean, they went all the way to the AFC championship game with Blake Bortles. So I think you bring him in there and Foles is off the books now. He's going over to Chicago. You've got Minshew in there who played well at times last year, but he got benched for Foles. It's just a weird, murky quarterback situation. And uh, it's one where if I'm a Jags fan, I'm not entirely sold on the future. I'd like Minshew if I were one, but I wouldn't be like, all right, this is the guy that we're going to just build our team around and just go all the way in on. I think having a guy in there like Herbert, who is uh, supremely physically talented, maybe a little bit of a different uh, mentality than Minshew. I think it would bring something different to that quarterback room and it would give you uh, something to watch. If you're a Jags fan this year, if uh, things fall apart quickly, which I kind of think they have potential to. Uh, So for me, it's going to be Justin Herbert going to the Jags at number 20. What do you guys think? Very logical pick. Um, I think in a real-life scenario, or a real draft scenario, I should say, Jacksonville's probably going to trade up or may consider trading up to take Herbert with all that capital, draft capital they have accumulated with all their trading away, their entire, all their all-pros on defense. I think it makes a lot of sense. What do you think, Spence? I love Minshew. I feel that the Jaguars are a 
for lack of a better word, stupid organization that wants a more clean cut appearing quarterback than Minshew, who has that, you know, eighties porn star vibe to him. (laughs) Um, Herbert for me feels like the evil twin of Josh Allen, where he is more accurate. They have the exact same athletic profile, but Josh Allen is more of a gamer in the sense that he's willing to use his big body, his size, his athleticism, his speed, and kind of gets guys around him fired up the way he plays a little bit more while also missing layup throws deep. And that's something Herbert doesn't do as much, has better touch, has a rifle, all that good stuff. Um, So it just feels like a classic Jaguars pick where it puts them into murky water and there's going to be a quarterback battle going on if that's the pick there and they do end up trading up. Uh, Feels like, you know, that the cards would be favored towards Herbert winning that out eventually, although Minshew will probably outplay Herbert in my opinion. Uh, But one of those guys is going to get to throw to CeeDee Lamb and that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So Josh Allen, we discussed this probable dog, Minshew dog tendencies, Justin Herbert dog, dog tendencies. What do you think? Mm, I don't even think I've either. I think that Herbert is a little bit soft. I think that he can uh, kind of fold. And like I touched on, I believe that if you don't have a good offensive line in front of him, he will crumble. That's my that's my weirdness with it. I feel like I kind of have to make that pick. But I also feel like Minshew is kind of going to have a fuck you attitude about it and like go in and outwork Herbert a little bit, maybe. I feel like Minshew would be Herbert's absolute best friend and they would be literal best friends in the entire world because that's the kind of guy Minshew is. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but he'd also be like, you know what? I'm still going to try to win this job. Like, God yeah, like, all right, Justin, I'm heading to the strip club. I got, you know, a bag on me. Let's head over there. Like, let's go uh, just drink Jack Daniels and just bang our hands around with hammers. What do you, what do you say? And Herbert's yeah, like, no, thanks, man. I'm just going to like go do some, some yoga or something. <laughs> Burn some incense. <laughs> Shout out to Yoga, by the way. I've been trying that out in this uh, this quarantine status. YouTube, pretty good source for things. Just throwing that out there. It is. <laughs> what do we got up next? The Eagles at number 21. And this is me. So let's go ahead and take Mr. Grant Delpit. Take him off the board. Uh, feels like the Eagles finally, finally, finally get their corner in Darius Slay. Uh, they still need some receivers. They got rid of Malcolm Jenkins on that back end. They're trying to, you know, take some of their meh corners and float them around to safety, do whatever. But let's put Darius Slay on a number one receiver. Let's have Grant Delpit, who has the best range on the back end in this class, arguably. Um, A ball hawk. Had a ton of missed tackles this past year as what I believe is a result of a shoulder injury. But you go watch on tape. He does a really great job, even if he misses a tackle, directing a ball carrier back into traffic. He will sacrifice his body. Uh, layout. He's a thinner guy. Kind of reminds me of Marcus Peters in a physique kind of way, but uh, great intangibles. When you watch film, you see him crossing hands. You see him signaling, uh, trying to match guys up, screaming, running across the field, lining guys up. He's a leader, two-time All-American, Jim Thorpe winner. And the amount of throws he erases with his range is just plain fun to watch. So let's go give the Eagles a good secondary, see if we can go give them a reliable receiver. feels like maybe a LaVisca Chenault in the second round would be a good fit for them or something of the sort. But I believe that shoring up that secondary and getting Carson Wentz, another reliable kind of three-level receiver, are priorities. So maybe a Justin Jefferson goes here, something of the sort. But I'm a big Delpit guy, and I think that stabilizes their back end. From a not only a player perspective, I think it's a good for, fit from that sense. But from a personal level perspective, and all you hear about this guy being a leader, I could not think of a better replacement for Malcolm Jenkins there in Philly. Absolutely. 
Yeah, certainly. It, it's kind of frustrating or annoying when you see these mocks and they're like, oh, this so-and-so lost this free agent, so they're going to take the same position. But when the need aligns with the value and Delp is the top guy on the board, that's a great pick. And Philly's uh, doing a nice job of beefing up that defense, added Jagon Hargrave to that defensive front. So beefing up the secondary should help them compete in that division. Yeah, for sure. Howie, Howie Roseman reminds me a lot of uh, Eric DaCosta in several ways, and he's been doing it longer than DaCosta technically uh, as an actual general manager. So uh, I really enjoy what the Eagles do year in and year out. And I feel like that would be a very much a Howie pick. So I like that a lot. Moving on, we have the Minnesota Vikings at number 22. What do you think? I hate to do it again, but they just lost Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson staring me in the face. Really good receiver. I think he's clearly number five in the uh, or is it four or five? Number four. the fourth best, the fourth best in the uh, in the draft class. I think he'd be a great complement to their offense. They need desperately need a receiver. They really need two two receivers now that Diggs is gone. Um, Jefferson, I like everything about his game, and uh, Spencer's done a great job of highlighting that. Uh, crossover style rocker step in some of the articles um so yeah jefferson to the uh, to the vikings for sure i like that a lot i think um with his playing style kind of meshes well with what they're going to be missing in digs he's maybe a guy who's going to be playing a little bit more on the inside as opposed to digs who like to play on the outside a lot but uh a good fit there in terms of uh just what you're getting in you know a player about six foot one uh physical you know good in the run game and uh a guy who loves to go out there and compete. So I like Jefferson a lot. I feel like he's a good pick there for Minnesota. Loves the game and street fights, hell of a blocker plays inside, plays outside. And, you know, we're talking about how we hate replacing these guys you get rid of, but when you have two first round picks like the Vikings do within four picks of each other, within three picks of each other, it allows you to go maybe replace and then go add to a room, uh, other elsewhere. So I like to pick a lot. Jefferson may very well. I mean, I'm, I'm not shocked if Jefferson ends up being an 80, 90 catch thousand yard guy, early in his career and being the most productive receiver out of this entire group. Um, he just has that balanced game and feels kind of like a Jarvis Landry with better athletic profile to me. Jordan, like Jordan Matthews before he fell off maybe in Philly. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good comparison too, Silas. I like that a lot. Balanced, very balanced game inside, outside, deep contested catch, get separation, does it all. So I like that pick a lot. For sure. Moving on to 23, you've got me with the uh, evil empire or are they formerly the evil empire? What do you guys think? New England Patriots? Uh, we're we're going to see what Belichick uh, can do. I kind of think that uh, Belichick was the engine, not Brady, but we'll see. I guess we'll find out. Um, and I've got this guy staring me in the face. So there are some good options here. But as far as what they've got going on at quarterback, I mean, we talked about hypothetical scenarios if justin herbert were to, were to start falling like that i could totally see them jumping up to snag him um but like i said i've got jordan love looking at me here uh he's tdn's 27th overall prospect i don't quite have him that high uh, but i think he's definitely a guy who could comfortably go in the second round and i'd be fine with that which i think at number 23 if you're trying to get a guy that you can bring in to develop i like that just fine so 
Love is a guy coming out of Utah State, very athletically gifted, drawing some Colin Kaepernick comparisons. So um, I loved Kaepernick's uh, athletic profile as a player, and I think that would uh, fit well in pretty much any offense. And I think Josh McDaniels could get a lot out of a guy like that. So I'm really not buying the Jarrett Stidham thing as of right now. Uh, they brought back Brian Hoyer to kind of be a stabilizing veteran presence. So a quarterback room with those three guys, I think you have a little bit more hope in New England than what you have right now uh, as far as quarterback goes. But uh, regardless, like you mentioned, Voss, I think Bill Belichick could plug me in there and win 11 games. So uh, who knows? But Matt Castle, baby. Matt Castle effect. Exactly. So I'm going to go ahead and just pick the quarterback and go with Jordan Love and um, kind of give some of these new, these spoiled New England fans uh, a little bit hope like they need it going into this year. I personally have a vision that Jake Fromm will be the quarterback of the New England Patriots. I think I did that. Master. I think I did that last time, right? <laughs> For the Patriots. Probably. I can't fully remember, but that's my my vision. I also watched QB1 on Netflix all the way through in this time. And holy shit. I know we were talking about Jordan Love, but I love Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm was a grown adult capable of raising a family, supporting them at 17 years old. He is a grown man. But Jordan Love to me feels a lot like Jameis Winston. Uh, He's a freaking gunslinger. He'll turn the ball over. One of the things I love that Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks said was, all right, let's take Jordan Love's 2019, which showed a lot of regression with a new offensive coordinator with all new receivers, lost his three leading receivers and his leading rusher, who's on the Kansas City Chiefs and Darwin Thompson. And let's pretend that that was 2018 and that his 2018 happened in 2019. We're talking about a top 10 pick. Um, so the recency bias there kind of reminds me of Drew Locke, who we were talking about earlier with the Broncos, where 2017 Locke lit the world on fire, set the SEC passing records, gets a new coordinator, all new weapons, has a bad 2018, uh, doesn't end up going very high, ends up being a second round pick for the Broncos. So Love has the arm talent of all arm talent, gets Patrick Mahomes comparisons. I like him kind of as a Jameis, as a Patrick Mahomes between the two of those uh, as where I feel like he'll end up riding. But I, I like the pick. I like them going and getting another quarterback. Like you said, Brian Hoyer is a Josh McCown. He is a veteran that you have in the room to help a, quarter, a young quarterback understand what's happening, understand how to study, understand when they're supposed to be there, uh, what they're supposed to be doing. And then Stidham, I'm not very high on in general. I watch a lot of him at Auburn. There's a lot of you know NFL athletes coming out of Auburn, going back to his tape. Uh, frantic, I don't know, showed a lot in the preseason last year, but I definitely think the Patriots come out of this draft with a quarterback, whether it's Love, Fromm, Hurts, someone like that, maybe even Herbert if he slides, could see that as well. Uh, but yeah, I think they end up getting a quarterback somewhere. So did you just watch QB1 recently? I watched the entire thing through in the last about month. Yeah, so I watched that when it aired a couple of years ago. And I feel like that's kind of why I've been having Fromm in these fringe conversations about the draft. I think I brought him up to Connor the last time we talked to him, and he kind of mm-hmm. didn't really seem to entertain it too much. He's like, yeah, you know, like third round, maybe even a day three guy. And I was like, yeah, maybe. But like watching this guy, even in high school, like you can tell he's just going to get in the room with some of these GMs and just wow them. And he's going to work the board pretty well. And he was like efficient, if not athletically spectacular at Georgia. Um, so, yeah, I feel like sneaky. He's a guy who's going to be going higher than people think. And I think uh, New I England. think second round for him. I think second round do- doesn't shock me first round. But what you love to say about him, Jake, is that he plays within the system. And who loves quarterbacks that play within the system? Bill freaking Belichick. Sure. So I feel like that's a match made in heaven, but love has incredibly superior arm talent, better measurables, more athletic, um, did a lot with not that much around him at Utah state. I mean, they played LSU and that was some of, you know, love's worst tape, but he was a competitor. He was 
unafraid to sling the ball to his, you know, two star unranked receivers against Derek Stingley and, and Christian Fulton. So it's an interesting, interesting scenario here for New England. Voss, you got any uh, Jordan Love to the Patriots takes? I think there's definitely been some rumors that Belichick wants a more athletic quarterback. I'm a little bit opposite on Fromm. I, I not in love with him as a prospect, but um, definitely doesn't mean that that other team will not be. I weirdly kind of don't love him as a player, but I think as a on a personal level, he can just boost his uh, his stock or his stonk, as the millennials would say. Uh, I could very easily see Fromm ending up being a Chase Daniel. Yeah, I, I've been saying yeah, like high so. end. I've been saying his like high end potential is like Kirk Cousins, which is fine. I, like I like that comparison a lot. Kirk probably has a little better arm talent. Yeah. Uh, from a little bit more of a gamer in ways, uh, but I I just love the way that From dealt with coming in as a young kid and taking over for uh, Jacob Eason and doing some some spectacular things, taking them to a national title game and being a successful prospect. Run off Justin Fields. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kept Justin Fields off, which in retrospect maybe looks like it was a stupid move, but we'll see. Yep. So moving on, we have the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints at number twenty-four, uh, bringing back Drew Brees at quarterback uh, for another year, and then they have, uh, from what I saw on Twitter today, is the rich man's version of Lamar Jackson and Taysom Hill there to back him up. So uh, what are you doing there at twenty-four with the uh, the Saints? With the Saints, I'm going to go ahead and take Denzel Mims. Um, I think that there's been some Jalen. What'd you say? Interesting. I like that. Yeah, I uh, I think there's been some Jalen Rager hype to the saints, but Rager, the more I I was very much in love with him, uh, as a prospect a little while ago, but when you go watch Mims, the way that he's able to win against press, the way that he's able to separate as a big, strong receiver, or as someone who sinks his hips and wins with quickness, speed, and as a technician, um, sticking him across from Michael Thomas, those are two matchup problems. And I think that Mims can win at all three levels. I think he's good after the catch. Uh, nasty, nasty, nasty blocker. Uh, I believe that having Michael Thomas opposite him will make him reach his absolute ceiling if you pair him with Michael Thomas, who is such a technician, such a hard worker, has the hands. And I think that he would take Mims, not under his wing necessarily, but I think that would be his buddy. And I think that Mims will reach his as I said, just reach his ceiling if you pair him. A guy who can win physically, can win technically, um, had some drop problems, but checks pretty much every single box, especially being able to win against press and separate as a big receiver. I think that's a perfect fit in the Saints offense. So I was watching him recently, and he it's funny because he reminds me athletically from pretty much every facet to Boykin, but I want Boykin to be more like him mentality-wise, if yes. that makes sense. Um, so I like Mims a lot. Uh, Voss, I got to think that uh, when This Is Why I'm Hot by Mims was topping the charts, you were probably in your absolute prime down in College Park. What do you think? Definitely in my prime. Definitely in my prime. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on him as a prospect? If, the biggest riser uh, during the pre-draft process, and we can definitely see why. New Orleans is in a interesting spot. They don't have a lot of holes. They have a really nice-looking roster, added Jenkins and Manny Sanders. Um, they maybe could use a linebacker, but I don't know if the value's there. So I think Mims is a very solid pick there. Very nice. I'm not going to lie, I completely forgot about Sanders, and I think that puts an even more emphatic point because Mims is not going to be a slot receiver. Thomas can play outside, can play in the slot, and I think Mims – 
ends up being something a nasty like fiasco. even even having those guys. That's something the Saints and Sean Payton would do. Like when they traded up for Marcus Davenport, they I remember he like got asked a question by a reporter like, you know, you're giving up all these assets to go up and just like get this one guy. Is it kind of maybe not totally fiscally responsible? And then he had some response like, well, shoot, look at the country's national debt. It's just like, who cares? Like, just trade up, get everyone, do it, you know, like, get all the firepower. Who cares? Like, what? That's underrated, just, hilarious coach. Yeah, it's that's a Saints move. Uh, shout out to Sean Payton, too, suffering from uh, coronavirus. Get well soon. Uh, seems like he's going to, uh, God willing. Uh, moving on to number 25, we have Voss with the Vikings. Vikings kind of seems like the Vikings missed their window, doesn't it? A little bit. A little Defense bit. is starting to get a little bit old. We took, I took Jefferson. What was that? Three picks ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just Justin Jefferson. So we're definitely going to go defense with this selection. They could take. Um, they could go a couple different directions here, whether it be Kenneth Murray to play the will, <clears throat> bring some pass rush, or a uh, potentially a corner. But I'm gonna take your tour gross matos to um, really add good to add, to add to Mike Zimmer's defense. He's drawn some comparisons to uh, Dunlap in a way, in some ways. As we remember, Zimmer used to be with the Bengals, kind of coached up Dunlap. So I think that's a that fits. Yeah, for sure. I like adding the pass rush in there a lot. Um, Kind of feels like maybe you can protect the leads a little bit better. Something that Eric Tacosta has talked about doing with uh, building up the front. Uh, Spence, what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Gross Matos there? So a lot of Ravens fans really like Gross Matos as one of those potential edge rushers that they've fallen in love with. But I feel that he absolutely needs to play with his hand in the dirt. I don't like him as a versatile defender. I like him as a def- as a traditional defensive end. He made so many plays behind the line of scrimmage the last two years. Uh, 34 and a half tackles for loss over the last two years in the Big Ten and 17 sacks. Feels like his consistency is not quite there. He's still filling out a little bit. They're losing Everson Griffin. There is a spot to be claimed on that defensive front. Zimmer maximizes those penetrating style defensive ends like no other. I think that is a home run slam dunk fit. Uh, Yaturgro Mottos feels just like a Viking, feels in the same kind of mold as uh, uh, Everson Griffin as they watch him go, go. And I think that he is a player that can accomplish his ceiling, which feels very far away, but he's capable of playing early on in Mike Zimmer's defense. I think that if anyone can get him to be a beautiful beast pass rusher, it is Mike Zimmer playing alongside Danelle Hunter. And that's an awesome fit. Great pick. Like it a lot. Moving on, we have the Dolphins making yet another pick here at number 26. Um, They went ahead and they got their quarterback. Uh, Who else have they picked so far in this round? We had them also taking Mr. AJ Epinesa at 18. So you get Epinesa at edge. You've got your future quarterback. And Tua, yeah. Yeah, and Tua uh, there at number five. So they're set at QB for the foreseeable future. Don't really need to look at some of these options like Fromm that we were talking about. Uh, not that they would necessarily, but you, like we mentioned, you stock up on defense a little bit there with Epinesa. And this one is probably going to surprise you guys. I know both of you not even really high on this prospect, but I like him a lot. Um, and it's a situation where we talk a lot about Brian Flores's personality. Uh, he's a guy who, as a coach, I feel like wants to have a through line to the rest of his defense. Just a guy who's going to get out there 
just be the absolute alpha dog and leader, make a lot of plays, be very loud, similar to Ray Lewis, who went at pick number 26, uh, 25, 24 years ago at this point. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick a guy who models his game after Ray Lewis uh, in Kenneth Murray here at number 26 for the Dolphins. Uh, he's a guy who I just think fits Brian Flores to a T. Might be a little bit of a reach prospect wise. He's a guy who can get lost in the passing game a little bit, who can run a little bit ahead of himself uh, coming downhill, you know, going a little too fast at times. He's got a sort of rein himself in a little bit. But I think if he does, and I think he can with the leadership of somebody like Flores and the guys that they have there on that staff, he could develop into a really good middle linebacker, a really good leader of a defense and the face of a franchise, which is something that I feel like you need in a rebuild like this. So I think, uh, you know, a guy like Kenneth Murray would be a very good fit here for the Dolphins, if maybe a little bit of a reach. But uh, you know what? Go ahead and do it because uh, I think he's really going to help improve your culture. So Kenneth Murray to the Dolphins at 26. And going ahead and talking about the three players they've now landed in this draft, Kenneth Murray, A.J. Epinesa, Tua Tagboyloa, probably three of the best interviews that will be had. I don't think Kenneth Murray is going to last this long. We have both Patrick Murray or Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray on the board. I think they tested well enough and had you know dominant traits. Um, we saw Devin Bush go at 10 last year, and I don't think that Devin Bush was necessarily a polished product uh, to the point where he's on some different tier than you put on Murray or put on Queen at this point. Um, we've got, had a ton of discussions about Murray and about how there's kind of some misconceptions about him in coverage, things like that. But go get a face of your franchise. I love it. I think that's a great fit. And I think that Flores will understand in that defensive scheme, in those positionless players, that Murray is good working downhill. Uh, can kind of fill that role a little bit better working alongside Van Noy and some of those guys. If you have Murray go rush the passer more than you have him drop back in coverage, have him play like a Sam backer while you have a Raekwon McMillan, who I think is one of the most underrated linebackers in the NFL. You can stick him at Mike if he plays healthy. Um, so you're kind of lightening the load on Murray and allowing him to go be a heat seeking missile. That is how you maximize his potential early on while he learns and, and gets into that learning curve. So I think that getting three high character guys, that were productive in college, that will test well, that tested well. Well, Epinesa didn't necessarily, but have great character, is a great draft for the Dolphins. And if they walk out with Kenneth Murray, AJ Epinesa, and Tua Tagvoiloa, Dolphins fans will be ecstatic with that haul. As they should be, I think, Voss. What do you think? Good pick. Very strong pick. I think he can uh, definitely help that defense. They added a lot of pieces up front this offseason. And uh, bringing in a young guy to the Kyle Van Noy and, and uh, the other veterans can groom would be uh, great for uh, Flores, the, one of the up-and-coming coaches in the league. Indeed. Uh, the good Dr. Schultz, we have you with the 12th man there at number 27th, uh, Seattle Seahawks picking in the first round. Yes, sir. I'm going to go ahead and nab one of my favorite players in the draft that I would prefer went one pick later. But I'm going to take Caesar. Don't do it. I'm taking Caesar Ruiz <laughs> off the board. So, uh, it makes too much sense. It, you, you, see, the thing is here, when we're talking about the way that the Seahawks draft, the other guy I was looking at is an interesting one. Um, Trevon Diggs, the cornerback out of Alabama, is a perfect cover three corner, so I could very much see them going this way. But uh, the Seahawks love to force Russell Wilson to create on his own. If they were to get a Caesar Ruiz, I think that Seahawks fans, Ben Baldwin out there, who's been the biggest criticizer of Pete Carroll ever, hating on him, new age analytics, all that good stuff. But let's go give him a center, a guard, a guy who can stick, keep Russell Wilson uh, upright a little bit more and help Russell Wilson start to age 
and not rely on those, you know, Fran Tarkenton like plays so much. But Ruiz to me is about as solid of a center prospect as you can possibly find because he is both powerful and mobile. He is not as mobile as Eric McCoy or Garrett Bradbury coming out last year, uh, but he has vice grip mitts. He will lock you up. You're not going anywhere. If you don't beat him with quickness um, or beat him kind of with length, like we saw Raekwon Davis do from Alabama a little bit, is the one player I've seen uh, kind of get the better of Ruiz, but he's a plug-and-play starter. At worst, he is a, an above-average starter for the next four to seven years, and I don't think the Seahawks like to do safe picks they like to take weird crazy like what the hell is going on picks Rashad Penny uh last year we saw LJ Collier who by no means was a first round you know pass rusher at all as a decent run defender but I can't pass on him personally what I would do is go take Cesar Ruiz off the board sorry Voss yeah Voss it sounds like you kind of had some eyes for him there uh number 28 with the Ravens so I guess you can give your thoughts on Ruiz and then uh transition into your pick yeah I definitely I uh, have a draft crush on Ruiz. I think he'd be great, uh, like like Spencer said, plug-and-play, uh, blue-chip pedigree <clears throat> coming out you're get, of you're IMG getting Academy. Up, you're getting choked See, up. I'm tearing up. Yeah, yeah look, suggested. <laughs> uh, coming out of IMG Academy down in Florida, very well-scored. He's a technician. He's strong. He's heady. And uh, if he does make it to the Ravens, they have the, the hardball connection there too. Uh, but uh, obviously he may not – be on the board at that time and if the board shakes out this way i think the ravens probably have to go with queen inside linebacker i'm not a proponent of taking an inside linebacker in the first round and i'm not totally sold that eric DeCosta values that position as much as many in the fan base um just based off what he did last year uh, you know he, he kind of put it together pieced it together but Queen does have nice sideline to sideline range. Um, he's a young player. He's got good speed. Spencer did a really nice job of showing his uh, what he can do and, and what he can't do. And the breakdown he did with the big board came out earlier this week. Just one other player to, to name if, if DeCosta really wants to swing for the fences is Terrell Lewis, the edge rusher out of Bama. A boomer bust kind of guy. He's been injured. But if the plan is to let Judon play out the tag and then you're trying to build up a pass rusher to come in behind him next year, Lewis might be somebody to keep an eye on. Yeah, for me, I don't necessarily see it all the way with Queen in the way that some other people do. So I wouldn't love the pick, but I feel like if DaCosta was picking him, I'd think that they would have a plan in Wink Martindale, you know, when they see them talking to the prospects over the phone and they say, like, we got a plan. We know what we're going to do with you, man. Um, I feel like it would be that type of situation. Spencer, what are your thoughts on how Queen would fit into this defense from day one? I believe that Queen in a defense that has Brandon Williams, Calais Campbell, uh, Michael Brockers, Judon, Bowser, Ferguson, Ward, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He has unbelievable blocking concept recognition, especially against gap uh, power concepts. He beats pullers nine times out of 10. If he sees a puller, he beats them every single time consistently. He does not have great length, which is a little concerning. And there's a lot of reps where he tackles like he doesn't have arms. He just kind of puts his head down and tries to run straight through you. And if you go watch the Bama tape, he had a really good game, but Najee Harris truck sticked him because he did not tackle wrap up and have good form. Um, 
Queen is another, you know, Devin White type, a crazy good running back prospect that went into LSU, comes out as a super explosive linebacker. He is built like a big safety, uh, built like, you know, a traditional kind of 2000s strong safety. But I believe his intangibles, his character, uh, the way that I touched on in the the draft profile that he wasn't getting playing time at LSU. He was behind all these outstanding linebackers. And he walked into Coach O's office and said, you know, what do I need to do? Coach O said, get better against the run. And what Coach O said is that he could have easily just entered the transfer portal and that would have been it. He could have gone and started at 110 different schools. Instead, he became a prolific linebacker against the run. Um, the, the knock that I have against him and Murray is that they just weren't asked to do a lot as coverage linebackers. And that concerns me, especially as a first year starter, but with the Ravens having Chuck Clark with them, you know, let's say they go acquire another safety later on. Maybe he's a two down linebacker in year one as you kind of ease him in. But I think that the likelihood, like Vaz said, I don't think EDC loves the linebacker. I think there's a lot of good value later on, but with this defensive line so 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 stacked with the secondary so 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 stacked you can put a cherry on top of a ice cream sundae you can add that finishing touch to a defense and having a sideline to sideline explosive player like patrick queen uh could be awesome and maybe it's murray maybe it's someone later on but they do have to address linebacker at some point and it's basically the elephant in the room of the defense is who is going to play Mike, who is going to be that middle linebacker and, you know, Bynes can come back and that's great. He is not the long-term answer. So why not, you know, go get someone, whether it's round one, round five, wherever, who is going to be able to learn, adjust and play. Um, but you know, with Ruiz off the board, with Jefferson off the board, with all these receivers off the board, uh, it's just a difficult place for the Ravens where they might not be in love with anyone. And queen tested crazy. Well, he has great character. Uh, is going to grow as a player. He is very young, and I like the pick. If I'm going to take uh, inside linebacker, he is the number one inside linebacker in this draft to me. Yeah, definitely. And I want to spend some time on this pick. It sounds like you kind of just answered uh, one of the questions from a boy, uh, MD Law So Hard 2. He's kind of asking about Queen and Murray at 28, if they're worth it. Um, you know, realistic options he would take over them. I don't know if we could totally get into that with the way that the board has fallen. It's a little hazy at this point. Um, do you see inside linebacker as the biggest need? It's kind of a lot of stuff that he's throwing around. It sounds like you answered all of it, but I wanted to jump sort of into another discussion entirely uh, to wide receivers. Good friend of the show, Matt Pine, wrote us asking about the wideout prospects. And it's interesting it's fallen this way because he specifically brings up T. Higgins. And he says, "Does is that a guy who is kind of in the conversation at 28 if the board falls this way where a lot of these top guys are gone and he's there? Or is he just out of the first round conversation for you entirely? I guess we'll find out over the next couple of picks. But what do you guys think about T. Higgins at 28 for the Ravens as a possibility? I don't think Higgins is a great fit for the Ravens. He's more kind of a precision player, back shoulder type, doesn't have great speed, and not necessarily a physical player. I think he probably does have a bottom end of the first round talent, but I wouldn't love Higgins to the to the Ravens personally. Um, but inside linebacker, I don't think that's the biggest need. I think probably interior of the offensive line is unless uh, unless Matt Skura starts putting some more plates on that squat rack or something that we don't know about in the next couple weeks. Spencer um, will know about it. 
Yeah, but I, and the guy that I really like at inside linebacker that Spencer's kind of talked me into is Harrison out of Ohio State. If you can get, if you can get him, because what you're going to take Queen and you're saying, well, he's a three down linebacker. That's why he's a first rounder. But he, like as you say, he doesn't have coverage experience. So if he's a two down run thumper, then Harrison's probably a better two down run thumper, yeah. and and it's better value. So that's where I would lean. You know, if we can kind of play make believe and have the board fall however we wanted to. Speaking of make believe, did a uh, Madden franchise the other day out of boredom was thinking about making it into a, a video series. We'll see. Won't be with that team, but I traded up for rugs. Uh, and I drafted Bradley and Nay and Harrison in round two with those two picks. So what do you guys think about that? I love Harrison. He is the most ready to start. And he, when you think about just the word, I'm going to get basic and stupid here, but a linebacker, he backs the line. Harrison plays love, like a I love, I love that. Through blockers. He straight up, lack of a better word, fucked Tyler Biadaz up like five times in a game put Biadaz, who has this reputation as this Wisconsin mauler, center, All-American, star of the, the linebacker. Hypothetically, a good center prospect, just for those who may not know. Yes, Tyler Biadaz is a good center prospect who is known for being like a gritty Wisconsin run-blocking badass. Malik Harrison put him on his ass. And then, like, when you go look at Harrison, Harrison is one of five players, including Von Miller, Demarcus Lawrence, it was Tyus Bowser, actually, and I believe TJ Watt, to run, to be 6'3", 250, and run uh have a 36 inch vertical and run a 685 uh, three cone, and so there's this weird fallacy with Harrison that he is big, so he can't cover. That's not the case. He had more coverage responsibility. Was asked to go walk out with tight ends, walk out with running backs, and play man coverage on them, and then turn and run when a crosser went behind him. Whereas Murray and Queen, they are just reading the quarterback. They have no responsibility as far as slot receivers, tight ends, any of that stuff. So Harrison is more ready while he might not have the athletic ceiling. I I think that that also is maybe even a little bit of hyperbole because he's way bigger than Murray or queen and moves just as well for his size as they do for their size almost. So I don't know. I think Harrison is the most NFL ready. Um, T Higgins was, was brought up in this and apparently there's a really big separation from just like some of the draft network guys and a couple other guys of where NFL scouts view Higgins and where the media views Higgins. And apparently NFL scouts are like, this dude is a number one overall receiver in most draft classes. And I don't like Vaz said, I don't see him as a good fit in the Ravens offense where if you go stick him in a pass friendly uh, vertical, it's like actually not a vertical attack, like a West coast offense. He has, you know, these slight little nuances and he breaks well and he can change pace and various speed. He doesn't win quick though. And the Ravens offense is based on scheme and getting guys open fast. And then there's the play after the play with Lamar and you know, that aspect Higgins is great. Um, Higgins is like, uh, he just is like, a very good number two receiver to me. Like he is, you know, a solid number two receiver on a team. Like what you're like, what you're hoping Boykin is going to be. Exactly. He feels redundant with Boykin. They're taller receivers who play with finesse. Boykin has a better athletic profile than Higgins. Higgins has better production. So, I mean, I'm not unhappy with Higgins in the first round. I'm not unhappy with him in the second round. You know, if, if Eric DaCosta ends up taking Higgins, I was pretty wrong on Hollywood last year. I was a little, 
you know, eh, I don't like this little dude coming in on, on that. So whatever, if, if they end up viewing him like that, I just think that you want a separator who can get vertical and beat dudes over top to complement Hollywood that will get quick wins. And I don't see Higgins being that guy. I mean, we love Lamar Jackson, this Vaz, Jake, all three of us. We love Lamar Jackson have since the beginning of the season. Well, please, since can you camp. please refer to him as his true name, which is the poor man's Taysom Hill? Can we just please yeah, address him? Correctly? We love <laughs> we love the the dime on a dollar Taysom Hill. He has his accuracy issues and that asking him to throw to someone in contested catch situations on the outside is not maximizing Lamar Jackson's kind of talent. But Higgins, apparently, like I said, apparently scouts freaking love him. And he's been productive as a young, since a young age, has a huge catch radius, good after the catch, some other things, but very, very weird receiver to me overall. And I kind of was like defending him a lot. And then I went back and was like, am I like make, am I kind of making shit up? Does he not separate? And I went back and I really just watched his highlights again. He doesn't separate. He doesn't win by getting two steps on anyone. And I don't think that's a fit in the Ravens offense for a boundary receiver. Fair enough. A lot of good points well made said. there. Well said. Yeah, a lot of good yeah. points made there. Good uh, discussion at the Ravens pick, which is what I was hoping to ignite. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully we can get more of that as we continue to do these. But I guess it's finally time to move on to a team that, speaking of the Ravens, caused Ravens fans a lot of existential dread uh, this past couple of months. Um, maybe some other reasons for that creeping in uh, on the global scene right now. But uh, as far as football problems go, the Tennessee Titans caused us Ravens fans a lot. Uh, they're picking at number 29. They have a couple needs. Uh, specifically, I'm looking at uh, defense. Uh, Wesley Woodyard departs at uh, middle linebacker there. With two of the top middle linebacker options gone, I'm kind of throwing out th- that out the window. Uh, and I just feel like uh, John Robinson wouldn't really kind of prefer to pick a guy like that in the first round anyway uh so i'm gonna go ahead and look at their cornerback need logan ryan's gone malcolm butler's been kind of a bust for them i don't know what's going on with adoree jackson so i'm gonna go with uh spencer's boy jeff gladney out of tcu uh talk about a dog or a killer i think gladney's a dog a uh, really good all-around player um and i just think he would slot in well uh to a defense that could use it and he would be a good fit personality wise with a guy like mike rabel so i'm gonna go with jeff gladney at cornerback for the titans in round one yeah, and there's the famous story from well, not famous, but what what I Everyone really like about, about Jeff Gladney, it. he uh, he saw Hollywood Brown have all this success in the NFL this year and making guys you know look silly, trying to stick with him with his ability to break stuff off, and then you go back and watch the 2018 TCU Oklahoma tape, he was on Hollywood like flies on shut your mouth to quote LeBron James in one of his original uh, Sprite commercial Nike commercials whatever the hell it was, but. Gladney ran a lot slower than expected, but he's just sticky. He's just a cover corner and they're losing Logan Ryan, I believe. Am I wrong there? Yeah. Losing Logan Ryan. So good pick. I like it a lot. And like you said, he's a variable guy. He's a click and close guy as well. A lot of, a lot of okay corners in this class. Can I just acknowledge how much I love the phrase click and close? Did you come up with that? No, 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 no. That's good alliteration. I like that. <laughs> click, click and close, click and close, click and close. It rolls off the tongue. Click and close. I like that. There's kind of some like onomatopoeia aspects to it where you say click and close. It kind of sounds like you're clicking a little bit. What do you think about that? Yeah, it, it gives you that explosive, uh, that explosive sound. So onomatopoeia. Can't spell it, but shout out to that uh, episode of Hey Arnold. That show does not hold up, unfortunately. Uh, moving on to <laughs> number thirty, we have the Green Bay Football Packers with you, Mr. Schultz. See, 
this is an offense where I think that T. Higgins is a fit. So I'm going to go ahead and for the sake of this argument, a precision passing offense that has a very accurate quarterback that, you know, Devontae Adams takes a while to develop his routes and win at times. Aaron Rodgers is comfortable with that. And I believe that that is a fit for T. Higgins. I think Packers fans would be very happy to have Higgins alongside Devontae Adams. We like that. Boss, what do you think? Yeah, great pick. Great pick. They definitely need some help to the receiving core there. And that's, that is the system and the scheme that will bring the best out of Higgins for sure. Very nice. Uh, and you're up again here, buddy. You got the 49ers again at pick 31. San Fran. They're obviously in a pretty good shape. Maybe the most well-rounded roster in the league right now, even after trading with Buckner. I think they could use a little more competition at cornerback. Akella Witherspoon was starting down the stretch. Uh, they pulled him for Emmanuel Mosley in the playoffs. Um, and there is some good value here. There's two players that stand out, A.J. Terrell out of Clemson and Trayvon Diggs out of Bama, Stefan Diggs' younger brother. I'm going to go with Diggs here. I think he's a better fit for their zone-heavy scheme. Um, so, uh, yeah, San Fran, building up that secondary. Trevon Diggs to the Bay Area. Spencer, what are your thoughts? I agree with the scheme fit. Like I said, he, he would have fit in Seattle. And who went from Seattle to San Francisco because of the scheme fit? Richard Sherman. Uh, Diggs is very solid, very athletic. He brings returner ability. He has great ball skills. He can tackle. And he is best working on that vertical plane that Seattle and San Francisco both keep their corners on, not asking him to move laterally a ton. That doesn't mean he can't do it, but it just accentuates his skill set to just stay vertical, work on that third, that deep third. So I like it a lot. Another good pick there for the Niners in round one. And now I'm going ahead, going to go ahead and bring up the rear with their Super Bowl opponents, uh, the team that took them down in the Kansas City Chiefs. A couple of needs, but as far as offense, it kind of feels like they have a lot going for them. I'm going to go ahead and try to shore up their defense a little bit. It felt like they needed help at the linebacker position to the point where they were signing, you know, almost 40-year-old Terrell Suggs off the street uh, to help him go and win the Super Bowl. I'm going to go ahead and get some youth in there uh, as a guy who has been looked at as a potential Terrell Suggs replacement in Baltimore. Uh, His name is also Terrell, or Terrell, Terrell Lewis, uh, potentially there. Uh, He's a guy who kind of weirdly reminds me of Tim Williams coming out of Bama, which kind of gives me a little bit of pause, but I think there's some athletic potential there that a guy like Steve Spagnuolo could take advantage of. Um, and maybe if he has his head screwed on a little bit better than Williams, he could become more of a productive player because there, it was certainly not for lack of talent that he didn't work out for the Ravens. So I think with the chiefs, Terrell Lewis could, uh, potentially, uh, you know, be a nice pickup there for them at 32. Makes a lot of sense. Complimentary football, high score and offense. You want to couple that with the pass rushers on defense. Interesting. We made it through the entire first round without a running back. You're just sitting Dobbins, there like Dobbins leaning back Taylor in your chair. All on the board. Just teams are trading up to the top of the second to get a stab at them. Just smile. It's just sitting there, bare, you know, like on an island in the sun because no running backs are getting picked in the first round, aren't you? <laughs> It, it just makes you feel guilty at this point if you take one. You just feel like an idiot immediately. I think that's kind of what it was. I think we were peer pressuring each other like not to do it. 
I think San Fran or KC could take one. It's not I th- terrible I was looking, to I was, take a running back at the very end. The worst thing is when you pay them after they played a couple years. That's what you do. Don't want to do. But you, they could be the cherry on top of the Sunday. But you have to have the Sunday first. KC exactly. and San Fran have that. So Swift, they could uh, go there. But then again, if they're all still on the board on day two, why would you take one on day one? I was looking at. I was looking at Swift big time. I feel like he could be like better than Kareem Hunt was in that offense. I could see that kind of similar to cream hunt for sure with not being a huge guy, but being a sneakily powerful runner and a dangerous receiving option. Yeah, for sure guys. Uh, so fun draft there running on almost two hours. We're at an hour and 45. So it's going to be a long episode. Uh, any, any general thoughts before we get out of here? Fun picks surprises. What do you guys think? Herbert did a great job. I thought a lot of, a lot of these are uh, realistic picks and uh, scheme fits and taking everything into account. Always a pleasure joining you, fellas. Yeah, you too, buddy. What do you got on uh, Justin Hebert over there? I think uh, this is a realistic possibility. We might see, you know, only two quarterbacks go early, and there's a situation where Herbert catches into a, you know, pretty big slide and ends up on a funky team like the Jaguars. And there's some interesting things. I think we replaced a lot of guys that left in free agency, uh, which, you know, like we said, is treading water in some ways, but it just makes too much damn sense. It's also kind of the point of the exercise at a juncture like this where free agency just takes place. So, of course, we do a mock draft and like naturally some of these losses and acquisitions are still very much in your head. So it's kind of like, okay, well, right. But then you go ahead and think about it like the Hayden Hurst trade is an example of the Falcons doing the same thing. Austin Hooper is awesome. He gets paid the most money and they go replace him with Hayden Hurst for a lot less money. That is what you can effectively do by drafting. There's just uncertainty because you're not sure that player is going to pan out, but saves you money. So it's not that risky. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, Anything you guys want to uh, throw out to the beautiful audience before we get rolling here? Keep keep sending us your mocks. Keep, uh, you know, let's get draft season rolling. We're all locked up. We're all quarantined and all that good stuff. It's draft season flood us with who you like who you don't like show us some clips show us some videos explain why you like them why you don't like them who makes sense it's it's the time let's bother each other with it i agree Voss. any parting thoughts there sir you nailed it you nailed it uh thank goodness for eric DaCosta and the ravens and the nfl at large giving us uh something else to focus on during this time and uh DaCosta continues pressing all the right buttons Jimmy Smith and Levine, just the two latest examples. You're making it sound like a Paw Patrol with the youngins is not getting it done for you there. No, they've outgrown Paw Patrol. I wish they still like Paw Patrol. What are they? What are they watching now? I don't even know. Whatever they want at this point. Oh, geez, you're letting them watch like Goodfellas and stuff. That's kind of sick, man. My son loves. He's four years old and he loves football. He'll watch like replays of football all day long. Just whatever. He know he could probably name more players than uh you know half the adults that watch football. Yeah, I was just texting with him the other day. Actually, he, see, he said he has better Ravens knowledge than you. What do you say to that? He definitely knows not to take a running back in the first round. Okay, so it seems like you're teaching him well there. Uh, but yeah, great show, boys. Like I said, we're coming up on an hour fifty, so I'm gonna go ahead and. Uh, Hopefully get this thing edited so I can be in bed before midnight tonight. Not like it matters. Working from home tomorrow. Shout out to uh, work from home. Don't have to deal with my commute that I hate. Uh, with a new culture, baby. Do what? 
it's the new culture. Uh, corporate America is going to realize that people don't need to go into work quite as much as we thought after this. If that's what this stupid fucking thing uh, is, you know, <laughs> have a, a long term effect on the country, I hope it's that. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get us out of here. I uh, really hope you guys enjoyed the mock draft. Uh, it's our third one. It's not going to be our last one. Uh, had a ton of fun doing it. Glad we got to get the uh, the full crew in here, not just me and Spencer going back and forth. Voss always brings a great perspective. So thanks a ton for coming on, man. Um, but yeah, if you liked what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you're not already, leave us a uh, review with a five-star rating. Uh, follow the show on social at Podcast Beatdown. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Jake Luke. You can follow Spencer at Ravens 4 Dummies. That's the number four in the middle. You can follow Voss at Vasili, and that's V-A-S-I-L-I-S, Beatdown, at Vasili Beatdown on Twitter. Follow the show on YouTube where we uh, post full episodes. Follow the show on Instagram, IG, at Baltimore underscore Beattown. Uh, you can find it on Facebook as well. And uh, visit BaltimoreBeatdown.com to find all our written work. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening, and uh, let's have a great week here, okay? Stay golden, pony boys. Damn, that's kind of a dark reference to end it on. But, uh, yeah, stay gold. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless.